Welcome, dear listeners, to Aligned Expressions. I am your host, Sherry Stein, and I'm thrilled to embark on this transformative journey with each and every one of you. As a seasoned color design psychologist, aromatherapy specialist, feng shui practitioner, therapeutic yoga teacher, and Ayurveda lifestyle enthusiast, I've dedicated my life to helping others achieve balance and well-being. Through my brand, SBW Aligned Expressions, I offer mentoring services to those seeking a holistic and wellness-centered approach to living their best lives. This podcast is an extension of that commitment, a space to delve into the profound intersections of color, yoga, Ayurveda, feng shui, and design psychology. In each episode, I had the privilege of sitting down with some incredible wellness professionals from diverse backgrounds and experiences. Together, we explore the powerful impact of color on our emotions, the healing properties of yoga and Ayurveda, and the ways in which design psychology can shape our environments for optimal well-being. I am not just here to inform, but to inspire. Aligned Expressions is a platform for meaningful conversations that illuminate the path to a more harmonious and balanced life. I invite you to join me on this enriching journey as we uncover the secrets to holistic living and well-being. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of the Aligned Expressions community. Together, let's explore the profound beauty and wisdom that emerges when we align our expressions with the essence of holistic well-being and welcoming to our journey into wellness. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of Aligned Expressions. I want to introduce to you a new friend. His name is Ari Peralta, and he is an extraordinary figure at the intersection of neuroscience, design, and sensory exploration. With a multitude of accolades under his belt, Ari stands as an award-winning neuroscientist and sensory designer celebrated globally for his innovative contributions to understanding the human experience. Ari's journey encompasses a diverse array of achievements, including being recognized by Forbes as an innovator and a leading voice in neuroscience and sensory design. His endeavors have garnered top honors in various design disciplines, reflecting his commitment to enhancing quality of life through the exploration of the senses. As the founder of Origami UK, a pioneering consultancy dedicated to multi-century research, Ari leads groundbreaking projects aimed at leveraging the power of sensory experiences to foster self-awareness and mental well-being. His insights have been instrumental in shaping the landscape of immersive art for wellness as highlighted 
in his contribution to the 2024 Global Wellness Report. Ari's dedication to people and well-being is evident in every faucet of his career. From his early ventures in marketing to his pioneering work in immersing wellness, this Harvard graduate is a prominent figure in the retail industry and continues to redefine the boundaries of innovation, earning him recognition in prestigious publications such as Retail Week and Design Retail Magazine. Join me as we delve into the fascinating world of sensory design and immersive wellness. Well, welcome, my friends, to another episode of Aligned Expressions. And I am just so thrilled to have Ari with me. And I just want to welcome him to the podcast. Ari, how are you? Fine. And thank you so much for having me. And looking forward to uh, getting to know each other and your audience in the next, uh, in this, in these next minutes together. Oh, yes. And you and I have been corresponding for at least six months, maybe longer. And Ari is my new friend that I met on Instagram and as well as through the Global Wellness Summit. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and a, a little bit about all kinds of sensory kinds of uh, art experiences. So let's just jump right into it. Ari, you were involved with the Global Wellness Summit's 10 Trends Report for 2024. And you wrote a chapter or a actual topic area around multi-sensory art experiences as one of the top 10 trends um, happening in wellness today. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with that and a little bit about yourself and how you found yourself working in multi-sensory art experiences. Wonderful. So I am a sensory designer, Parsons trained, and a neuroscientist, Harvard trained. And I also have an MBA from UF and UT. Um, I have a passion for connecting science, technology, and art, in particular design, uh, really with an emphasis and focus on elevating our quality of life. Yeah. And for the past uh, seven years, I've run a firm called Origami, based in the UK, but operating in about four continents now, with projects in the automotive, in the uh, interior design, in the architecture space, even in space space, uh, like with NASA and the <laughs> European Space Agency. Anyways, regardless where there is a re- wherever there is a human, there's an opportunity for us to mitigate certain physical and emotional concerns uh, through our environment. And uh, now with new technologies that allow us to play with sound, light, scent, etc., and integrate these different elements allows us to create a symphony that's good and healthy for our brains. Uh, and most recently, uh, over the past two years, I've been writing for the Global Wellness Institute and Summit, who for the past 20 years has been predicting trends before we even know that they were trends, uh, such as researching, let's say, the pandemic and the effects the pandemic was having on people everywhere, and that loneliness crisis, which transformed into wellness travel, later into social wellness clubs. So this is a group of 
incredible human beings led by Susie Ellis, uh, who's the founder and CEO of the GWI and GWS, and followed by a, a team of incredible, brilliant, remarkable wellness crusaders, I call them, uh, such as Nancy Davis, who have really opened the doors for people like myself and others who have different kinds of messages and wanted to put that up there up front so that designers like yourself and your audience could be inspired by what I'm seeing happening inside museums, what I'm seeing happening in this new category of experience art centers, and then the translation of some of these things that we're starting to see small references, but great references in the spa and the hotel hospitality world, et cetera. So I'm looking forward to taking a deep dive into not just how the senses work, but how we can create different kinds of recipes using different types of sensory stimuli that benefit us. That's awesome. So related to that, before we get into this conversation, why do you think the Global Wellness Trends Report is important for the average consumer or those that are interested in wellness? How does it relate to people that may be interested in wellness, but maybe not quite understand it from a research point of view? Just curious. I think for that main reason, because it's a great uh, place to start. The Global Wellness Institute and Summit were the first ones to kind of define wellness and Mm -hmm. define that there's different areas and levels of wellness from social to emotional, et cetera, and mental. Uh, So I think that they're a great starting point to get the right kind of information. Unfortunately, wellness, the word, which is a very large umbrella category, has made it into mainstream marketing. So there's a lot of confusion and sometimes uh, just irregularity between the information that's presented. Sometimes that's misinformation on top of that. We have to consider, for example, that most Gen Zers are learning about wellness and wellness practices through apps like TikTok now. So without saying that that is good or bad, I think that the Global Wellness Institute provides a verifiable evidence-based network of industry experts and innovators who are researching, working, and executing in this field. Okay, well, great. Thank you so much for, for stating that. So let's define what is a multi-sensory art experience for my listener who may be like, oh my God, that's a $50,000 word. I have no idea what they're talking about. Let's break it down. I think, yeah, the, the best way is to start with, in the past few years, we've started seeing the rise of wellness programming inside museums. And regardless of what city you're in, what state or country you're in, we're seeing this all over the world. And as museums start revitalizing uh, their programming through these kind of wellness activities, et cetera, we also started seeing museums adopt new wellness-themed exhibitions. This started then leading towards these new immersive art experiences. Many may be familiar with uh, Monet, et cetera, kind of uh, animated art exhibits. Well, that was the first, I think, step into this new realm of multisensory art experiences. From there, we started seeing a new category of site-specific 
places that welcomed wellness-themed art, like Super Blue in Miami, Art Tech House, and others that we found uh, around the world. We saw people like the Museums of the Future, Museum of the Future in Dubai, creating a whole new exhibits and floors dedicated to wellness. And the more I looked into these exhibits and galleries, I was starting to see just the future of wellness, the future of spa, the future of wellness beyond the spa and the technologies that were driving it. And it wasn't just visual, it was multisensory. And as a neuroscientist who focuses on sensory health and how our brain takes sensory information to learn, it's important to understand that we are multisensory beings by nature. Mm. It's just how we are. Now, the way we design is visually dominant. We are visually dominant beings, but it's not the all. We are multisensory. So when it comes to designing multisensory experiences, it's about using a variety of sensory stimulation to create a fuller, deeper, and richer experience. Now, when it comes to wellness, this really helps us get into the moment and almost go inwards. So for the past uh, five years or so, I've been really focusing on helping the wellness industry use sensory design through the lens of sensory profiling, so that we can design for a diversity of sensory types uh, through sensory design itself, creating immersive experiences that aren't just immersive, but that replicate and simulate elements of nature that we know are healthy for our biology and for our mental health. And finally, really advising and creating thought leadership around what the future of sensory wellness should look like. Mm, 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 mm. Now I've got more questions. <laughs> All right, let's go this direction. Since we're talking about the senses, I want to first focus on color. Can you elaborate on how multi-sensory art experiences, particularly those incorporating color as therapy, contributes to the mental well-being and overall health of individuals experiencing these opportunities? Well, you know, when I first was learning and studying and researching color, I didn't think it was going to be such a controversial topic. And I'll explain why. Okay. There are two camps in terms of thought on uh, color and its effects on us. And I'm going to speak on the, uh, on the side that I know, which is through the neuroscience lens. Okay. Uh, for us, color is a phenomenon. So color doesn't really exist. It's a computation in our brain and obviously with other uh, cells involved from our eye to our optical nerve all the way to our suitable lobe in the back of our brain. Now, what's interesting about color is that for a long time, through the lens of psychology, we've been looking at the effective side of color, which has a lot to do with lived experiences or subjective experiences. Now, what we now are starting to understand is that color can have certain biological benefits, but it really competes with the subjective lived experiences. Mm -hmm. So answering, we've evolved the question from is blue calming to is blue calming to you? Mm, yeah. And this is where the sensory profiling comes in. This is really what helped start helped to inspire me to understand, could I group and categorize people's sensory preferences? And if I did, could I measure them over time and see if they changed? And for the most part, they don't right? We have our certain sensory preferences with colors that incite and evoke a sense of well-being, but sometimes a sense of rush or another kind of emotion. Mm -hmm. So it's important to note that color 
is something that our brain processes before it understands what shape it is, what direction it is, where it's coming from. So it's interesting because the abstractness of color allows our brain to almost prepare for a memory or for an association, whether it's positive or negative. So very, very influential the way we perceive color. And interesting to say, not all of us perceive color in the same way. Once again, another way to demonstrate that this is a phenomenon that occurs inside our brain. So taking that example of blue, for example, you said, how is that perceived by an individual? Because different people perceive colors differently. Now, I've always learned that blue, for example, is a color that both genders can associate with or find uh, pleasant. But then are you saying, uh, first of all, is that true? And then second- I'm suggesting the opposite. I'm suggesting complete opposite. The opposite. That that while each of them, any human may find it pleasant, um, it's not necessarily the case always, one. And two, it may change based on time of day, based on temperature, or based on geolocation. Okay, I get it. So then what about scent? I'm into aromatherapy and I've studied the emotional uh, impacts of certain scents. So talk to me about what you've learned about scents, you know, aromatherapy, different smells as it relates to this multi-sensory approach. It's very interesting because I think that part of the reason why we've been relatively successful on the global stage, attracting not just large brands, but large audiences to talk about these questions around sensory design. I think it's because for the last 20 to 30 years, professionals like yourself have been using as many tools as you can, guided by your intuition. And sometimes, regardless of that experience, regardless of those incredible tools you may have, there's some disconnect with spaces or disconnect with certain people and certain elements of those spaces. That was the point that attracted me. And before I was in color, I was actually working with sound and scent. And with scent, it's very interesting because it's a primitive sense in the sense that as we were evolving, it came first. So it has a very interesting linked relationship with our brain in the sense of its proximity And in the sense of not needing to go through our hippocampus right in the middle of our brain to kind of sort out its meaning. When it comes to our senses, I normally don't just refer to our organ senses. I'm really referring to our body's sensory receptors, right? Because we're walking antennas. We're literally walking antennas that can perceive wavelengths through light, that can perceive vibration through sound and movement, that can perceive temperature changes, that can perceive pain, that can perceive chemicals. And when we speak of scent, we're speaking of two different receptors. We're speaking of a receptor of vibration and movement and a receptor for chemistry. So this is new to us. We didn't know this 10 years ago. This is thanks to the evolution of quantum biology informing us about processes like how we uh, recognize a scent, which isn't just molecular based. And I think when going back to your question on how are we learning how to use it better for wellness, there is no doubt, I think, in the industry that scent is a very powerful tool. 
That said, it can go either way. It can be a positive, powerful tool or a negative experience. So what we've learned is that while there are certain chemical benefits to some sense, same with color and same with any other sense at this point, our subjective life experiences, our subjective perception is a big player in what the brain likes and dislikes. So while we may have certain benefits that when we study in isolation inside a beaker, yes, lavender may be calming, but guess what? On 30% of people after 30 minutes, it gives them a headache. So these are the things that we're trying to unlearn mm-hmm. to reteach. And we've had to go back And now that we can measure things simultaneously, now that I can look at your brain, but also look at your microdermal activity, now that I can also look at your heart rate variability at the same time, we can link causality a little bit better. So going back to the power of scent and aromatherapy, there is no doubt on its influence, on its primitive and dear, deep, close connection to our brain, being that it doesn't require other kinds of processing. That said, It is a very difficult sense to play with if you don't know people's preferences. So this goes back to, uh, once again, and you'll see this almost as a theme, all of these questions, which I had as a designer as well, led me back to the lab, led me back to working with and asking questions to some of the best scientists in the world, and nobody really being able to answer. So I just kind of wanted to flip the question. And uh-huh. suddenly when I flipped the question to an individual and their preferences, yeah, things started to make sense. Wow. Okay. This is really deep stuff. One of the other questions that came up for me was we started talking about how museums and hotels and spas are being influenced more now on this multi-sensory experience. I wanted to know if you have seen any evidence of how individuals have been influenced to perceive and prioritize their own wellness through these experiences and these locations. I think the evidence lies in particular kinds of experiences that specific kind of artists like Krista Kim or Rafik Anadol have partnered with scientists, with researchers, and it's all about an interdisciplinary collaboration. Ultimately, I think where you're getting to and where I agree we should get to is that we need to call out things now. We're at a point where wellness is getting saturated and everything is wellness. Mm -hmm. And not everything seeks or creates the outcome that is presented. And I think when it comes to these art installations as wellness experiences, it's interesting because we first have to say it's art. So there's some kind of intention that is led by the artist. That said, the ones that I've selected, that intention was about slowing you down, was around uh, making you more present or going inwards or appreciating nature. So not all art does that and not all art experiences have that intention. The ones we highlighted did. And what we noticed was that they were using different ways to capture our attention, to get us off of our screens, off of our phones, and just be in the moment. And I think that's uh, something I noticed beautifully, for example, at MoMA with one of Rafik Anadol's most recent uh, exhibitions, which I actually now think they, they acquired it. 
I was there for several hours uh, watching people watch it. And you wouldn't imagine uh, people from, what, four years old to maybe 80 years old just sitting there all together, just watching, enjoying the art. I think that when I've seen other iterations of these kinds of experiences, I'm starting to see spas trying to rethink what wellness experiences are beyond a massage, beyond a facial. So I think that's where the evidence has shown us that if we can get people off of wherever their head is at and into that moment, it is a better experience. So whether or not they are consuming, let's say, more wellness experiences after that, I think we'd need like a longitudinal study to explore that, uh, which we don't have. But right now, we're just trying to get people off their phones, off the screen, and to share a moment with themselves and, and with those around them. Right. So what about hospitals? What are they doing? Are they interested in working with these types of experiences uh, for their patients? It's evolving. And if you would have asked me 15 years ago, I would have had a completely different response. But I think that after COVID, we realized several other critical areas in which we can support healthcare. In particular, overworked, overwhelmed, exhausted staff and anxious patients. And I think when we started looking at the past few years at what the movement has been between the arts, healthcare, and technology, we saw that technology was the missing component. Mm-hmm. And now that healthcare is adopting technology for different reasons, it's at least now in their vocabulary to explore how to create generative art installations inside hospitals. One of the concerns and I think biggest challenges for me as a professional in that field, when I was pushing to get into Mayo Clinic and other incredible uh, institutions of that nature, was that they, they didn't know what to do with it. Ooh. Who, do you, who do you speak to? Yeah. Do you speak to facilities? Do you speak to the management? Do you, you know, yeah. so... It it also became about almost creating a map for how does this get done? And I think that we're really proud of is that in the last two years, we've seen an accelerated growth in hospitals and nonprofit foundations investing in this kind of more participatory, interactive art. One of the grants that we won a few years ago from the European Union Fund, regional fund, Uh, was to develop a simulated breathing experience. And we tested this in hospitals with hundreds of doctors, practitioners, and just other healthcare providers. And in five minutes, we were just able to give them a quick breath of fresh air that they otherwise wouldn't have had. So I think when we think of healthcare, it's starting to proliferate in the sense of creating these experiences and systems that create that interaction. But where I'm really excited is that in the past few years, we've also seen them adopt interactive art and multisensory art into dementia, uh, Alzheimer's, autism spectrum, other sensory processing disorder therapies. So to see multisensory art become a medium or a tool or an instrument for therapeutics, I think that brings a lot of promise to so many of us who wanted to design these playful experiences because we know we feel better. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I hope to see more of it. 
just really come together in a lot of these hospitals, um, particularly the larger ones that have larger types of specialties, such as de dementia and, and so forth. I think it's so needed. So let me ask you this, the home, private homes. How can we, or how can I, for example, create this kind of experience in my home wellness? Or can it be done you know, from a smaller scale? I think it can be. And whether it's driven by technology or not, mm -hmm. I think, again, going back to our human nature, we are multisensory by nature. Right. And when I say by nature, I mean that it is the ultimate source of inspiration for what we can do at home. That is our home. Now, we spend about 94% of our time inside our home, inside an office, inside a car or some form of transportation. Right. So when we say home, it's one of these places in which we are in artificial settings that is not nature. Right. And that we need to try and emulate nature. Now, you probably prefer a specific type of landscape, certain types of colors, certain types of scents. I think it's about understanding first what your preferences are. And I think this, again, once again, goes back to that profile. What I noticed was that, hey, this isn't something that's just useful for brands to better tailor experiences and create, you know, micro interventions within collective environments. Mm -hmm. This is something that individuals could benefit if they knew what they react well to, at least seeing it all together. Wow. Yeah. You're right. On. So the best place to start at home is with illumination. And I know that we hear this and we read this and it comes with different titles, but there's one biological reason, our circadian rhythms. Ooh. Every cell in our body is run by this rhythm. Ooh. This includes our hormones, our digestion, our sexual appetite. It includes everything, right? So ultimately, if we want to live a healthier life at home, it's bringing as much natural light as we can. Yes. And it's really integrating outdoor views, which we know makes a difference, not just in hospitals, but for us as well. And if you don't have that beautiful landscape view, then put it on your TV screen. Believe it or not, a second benefit to guided imagery, especially when it comes to nature, it's very similar to the benefits when you are physically in nature. Mind you, you're missing a few multisensory elements, which make a difference. But we're trying to get to somewhere closer. This also can be translated into the materials and textures of your furnishings. Ooh, love that. Okay, Ari, when are you going to write your book? I am in the process of writing it. <laughs> and, and to be honest with you, the, the biggest challenge has not been what to say. It's been really to get to know the communities I'm trying to help. Okay. And this is what I really want to share as a message with your audience. As designers, we help unfold the unknown. And I know it doesn't always feel that way, except with budgets. Um, I, I, but, but it's true. We, yeah. we are helping people envision and feel things that they just couldn't do it on their own. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to guide them. And when I look at research and trends report from Global Wellness... What I like about sources like them is that they're just not showing you what's new. They're trying to help guide us to make better decisions so that what's new is helpful, not just buzzworthy. Yeah, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. I just feel like that more information about these trends and about how wellness is globally 
a, a multi-million dollar industry right now. Multi-trillion now, trillion. 5.1 trillion you. dollars. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So I don't know what that is, how many zeros that is, but I yeah, think that's a lot. Either. That's a lot of zeros. <laughs> and, you know, it's not going away. It's not going away. It is just, it's just moving on an upward scale. And we're going to start seeing a lot more of these types of innovations as it relates to our wellness, inner emotional and physical wellness. So get used to it, listeners. This is just one of many things that are happening. I was just on a um, a seven-day cruise back in January, and I saw where they're doing all wellness cruises now where the whole cruise is all about wellness and so forth. And I was like, wow, we're really, (laughs) we're really moving, you know, towards tourism and going to museums, as you mentioned, Um, seeing things like that whole uh, Van Gogh was like a a smaller example. Well, I think what we started seeing were these different kind of art experiences adopt these technologies and then separately you had these wellness artists who literally their their theme their intent their their kind of outcome is wellness started getting inspired by this and you know some of them we know because they've been around like James Terrell yeah, uh, oh, and yeah other James, ones, that's why yeah <laughs> another one new ones like as Devlin who yeah. has done a lot of Beyonce's concerts etc started, you know, to to add and contribute to this realm of meditative wellness or transformative experiences. I think what's interesting on what you just said, Sherry, about this wellness everywhere. Yeah. I think wherever there's a human, mm-hmm. there's an opportunity for wellness. Yeah. So as wellness continues to expand and the word becomes just obsolete in its meaning because it's everywhere, I think it's important now for designers going back to becoming niche wellness designers. It's about falling in love with the problem or the niche community that you're trying to help solve problems for. So I think as right now, it's easy for me to speak about all these different realms of design. But what I'm really looking forward to is this next generation of Alzheimer's design of Parkinson's design, of autism design, right? That's what I'm really looking forward to. And I think that designers who are currently using the wellness business card, um, it's time to update it with one of those niches and become an expert in that niche. And I promise you, it'll give you an upper hand, not just at learning about these problems, but once again, becoming an expert on how to solve them. Mm. And with that, my friend, how can my listeners find you? So I, I've recently had a hacked LinkedIn, so I'll share that with your with your audience. But normally on LinkedIn, Ari Peralta or Ari Gami. But you know, our, our website I think is a is a great portal to just start and find information. More than just information of what we do and how we work and what we have done. We kind of want to connect this network. So we're really looking forward to welcoming you to origami.org, which is our main website. Our social media, Arigami, you can find us on uh, Instagram and on Facebook, but mostly on our website. You know, we're wanting to connect you with the organizations like Global Wellness Institute and Global Wellness Summit. We want to connect you with brands like Six Senses who are really investing in wellness 2.0 inside the spas. But we also want to share case studies on our work with organizations like Nissan or NASA 
and how we're helping bring sensory wellness wherever people are at. Well, that's amazing. I will put those links in the show notes. And I just want to say thank you so much for this really interesting, empowering, educational opportunity to talk to you. It's just been like totally amazing for me. And I just want to say thank you again. And let's stay in touch as you are moving forward. And I didn't know you knew James Terrell. That's a very good friend of mine. I've known him. Light eaters. I will always quote him for light eaters. You know, we're lighting light eating beings. So yes, yeah, he's a great guy. And um, you know, it's amazing how small our world is when you think yes. about it. So I just want to And say- how none of this is new, Sherry. I mean, James has been around for a while. Not, yeah. not to call you old, James. You're great. <laughs> um, but I, I think it just goes to show that we've had this design intuition for a while. Yeah. Science is allowing us to validate it. Yeah. And when we use technology in an appropriate way, it's about empowering our ideas Yes, and is. elevating quality of life. If it doesn't do that, I don't call that technology. You can call that something else. That's right. So Ari, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so, so much. And I look forward to seeing more of some of the things that you're doing for the world. 